All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Metro Praise International. So good to be in the house of God. Who's excited this morning to get in the presence of the Lord? Amen. I'm Pastor Brett. I want to pass to you on staff. We want to thank you for joining us this morning here at MPI Church. And if we can all please stand as we get ready to worship. And for those that are filled, let's come up to the altar to uh, get ready and uh, to press into God's presence. Feel free to, to do so. I would like to introduce our sister, Ashley um, Bolden. She comes up and testifies. Let's give her a hand, everybody. Hi, everybody. Good morning. I just want to uh, testify about just the supernatural ability of God to provide for us. Um, I just got a sense that maybe some people may be struggling with things that they're needing God to do, uh, whether it be financial or emotional or uh, spiritual. And I just wanted to testify about God's ability in my life to just provide. Um, just giving him my first fruits and loving him uh, with my life, I've, I've never had to want for anything as long as I've been loving the Lord. And um, I know what it's like to struggle and I know what it's like to be without. And I just want to let anybody here know it doesn't matter whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money. It doesn't matter whether you feel like you're rich or not. Uh, we all have wants and needs in life. And I just want to let you know that God cares. He's a God of abundance and not scarcity. You serve a God of abundance, a God that loves you and a God that can take care of you. And all that he's asking and he's wanting is for you to put your faith in him. For you to put your faith in him and he will take care of you. I want to read you this scripture from Philippians 4.19. And I say this with confidence. This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, you're so good. I know you're so good, Lord. I pray for everybody here who may be in need, who, who may be looking to you saying, God, I need your help. I need you to provide for me. I need to feel your love. I need to hear a word from you. I need you financially. I need a breakthrough. I pray, God, that you would, as they put their faith in you, God, you would make yourself known to them, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that when they seek you, that they would find you when they seek you with all of their heart, Lord God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest in this place today, Father God, and that people would give themselves to you, Lord God, their whole hearts to you, Father God. Lord God, would you do it in this place, Lord God? There is such an expectancy in this room for you, Father. We are looking to you, Lord God. We are expecting a move from you today, Father God. And I pray, Lord God, that as you hovered over the waters, you would hover over this place right now, Lord God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we get ready to praise him today. We're going to just give the King of glory his glory today. Hallelujah. Glorious, put your hands together. You are so glorious with eyes that flame. 
Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious. Do that again. Your face outshines the brightest sun. Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious.
are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, oh God. Oh, we love you, Lord, and we want to feel your presence in this place this morning, God. Oh, touch hearts today, Lord. Oh, you are the King of glory, God. Oh, Jesus. guys don't know what it's like to just soak in the glorious presence of the Lord, you are going to today. And if you came expectant, I hope you did. Because when we come in expectancy, God shows up and he shows off and he makes his way in your heart to where you'll never be the same. So as we move into this next song, I want you guys to really get it in your hearts that they're not just words on the screen, but they're a confession of faith. And we're going to talk about being lovers of his presence. And if you are not a lover of his presence, nothing will change for you. But when you are, he's with you everywhere you go. And there is nothing that you can't do because he is with you. Let this be a sacrifice. Let me dedicate my life to worship you. Oh, won't you let this be a sacrifice. Let me dedicate my life to worship you. Let's do that again. Let this be a sacrifice. Let me dedicate my life to worship you. Won't you? Oh, won't you? Let this be a sacrifice. Let me dedicate my life to worship you. I'm a lover of your presence. I'm a lover of your presence. I'm a lover of your presence. Oh, I'm a lover of your presence. I'm a lover of your presence. I'm a lover of your presence. Go to a passion. A passion stirring deep inside. You're all that really satisfies. We worship you. Oh, passion. A passion stirring deep inside. You're all that really satisfies. We worship you. We are lovers of your presence. We are lovers of your presence. We are lovers of your presence. And it's all we want to be. We are lovers of your presence. We are lovers of your presence. We are lovers of your presence. And it's all we want to be. Your presence, we are lovers of your presence. 
was made for love. I was made for loving you. Cause I know I was made for love. I was made for love. I was made for loving you. Let's say that again, cause cause I was made for love. says that when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And I can 
tell that he is so close to so many of you today. But he doesn't want this to be a Sunday kind of love. He wants an everyday kind of love. An everyday kind of love. That means every moment of every day, he thinks about you and he loves you and he cares. He cares. He cares, he cares, he cares, he cares, he cares, he cares more. When you think no one cares, God cares. When you think no one's listening, God is listening. When you think no one loves you, it's God that loves you. He loved you first, so you better love him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's love. That is love. So receive that word today. That he cares, and he's listening, and he loves you. Sons and daughters coming before a king, receiving your impartation, the nations are offered. Sing it again. We are your sons and daughters.
for you Jesus we wait for you Lord come on lift up your hands all across this room we're waiting Jesus we want to hear your voice we're waiting oh God to hear you speak to feel your power come on lift up your hands all across this room come on we're not in a hurry we're gonna keep pressing through Lord, we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, do you feel your, his love in the atmosphere today? Do you feel his love today? Covering over you, dripping over you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. He's pouring it over you. Come on. Jesus, we're waiting. We're waiting. For your power, for your presence, for your word, for your healing touch, for your salvation, for your deliverance. Come on, press through, church. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, oh God, that when we seek you, we will find you. He does not hide from you, church. Friends, listen to me today. God is not playing hide and go seek with you. He is here. His presence is here. His love is real. And all you got to do is reach out your hand and touch him. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for your presence in this room. I want us to turn our attention to pray for our city, to pray for our nation. God, we need you in Chicago. Come on, guys, start pressing through. Lift up Chicago. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over this land. We plead the blood of Jesus over every single neighborhood, over every college campus, high school campus, grammar school, our police departments, oh God, our government officials, Jesus. We need you in Chicago, God, like never before. Come on, church, lift up your voices. He has imparted to us so that we can impart into the world. We want his kingdom to come. It's going to take action. We must pray. We must live out Jesus to everybody around us. Oh, we plead the blood of Jesus over our city, over the gang violence. We declare it to cease in Jesus' name. We declare violence to cease in the name of Jesus. The spirit of depression, the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of atheism, alcoholism. In Jesus' name, we bind you up and we cast you out. Devil, leave our city. Leave our city in 
in Jesus' name. Come on. I want the spirit of intercession to arise. Rachel, I want you to lead out a prayer of intercession, whatever is in your heart for our city, that Jesus would come, that through the church, his kingdom would be established on earth now, that we would see it so clearly in the statistics of murder, in the statistics of homicides, everything that happens, all the violence, the racism, the corruption in this city, that Chicago would get a new name a new meaning for our name, that we would be made known for righteousness, that we would be made known in the world and in our country, that our violence has decreased, that Jesus has come to our city through the church of Jesus Christ. Lead out in prayer. Come on, Hallelujah. let your cry Jesus. reach heaven today. Hallelujah, Lord, we lift up our voice to you. We thank you that you're here, your people, God. We thank you that your word says you are attentive to the cries of your people. And this morning as a church, we stand today and we say that we turn to the answer. We turn to you, Jesus. We don't need another program. We don't need another leader. We don't need another 10-step, oh, God. We bow our knee to you, Jesus. And we cry out to you because you hear and because you care. And we ask that you would have mercy over this city. We ask that you would have mercy, God, over the violence of mercy, over the lies that are over your people. God, that you would open up the eyes of the blinded. You would take away, oh God, the scales from the eyes of your people, Lord. Over the eyes of the youth, oh God. Over the eyes of these leaders of our, of our city, oh God. Over the eyes of our teachers. Over the eyes of our government, Lord God, over this city, God. And we ask, oh Lord, that you would open their eyes. In the name of Jesus, we declare freedom. We declare liberty, God. We declare, Lord Jesus, a powerful move of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask for conviction. Conviction in the hearts of man. That they would know that there is truth, Lord. And that truth is Jesus. We ask, oh God, that every heart, Lord God, would know, Lord Jesus, that you are calling them to their knees, to you, Lord. Every child, every youth, every adult in this city, Lord. Oh, God, we ask, oh, Lord Jesus, that we would call out to you, and we believe that you're able to do it. We believe, oh, God, we call for things now, God, into existence, Lord, that peace would reign in this city, that righteousness would reign in this city, that truth would reign in this city, that as we drive down these blocks, that we would see your gospel being preached, Lord, that your disciples in this room would raise up, Lord, disciples in this church would put down the name of their church and put up the name of Jesus in this city, God. Oh, Lord, I believe what Nancy said. God, give us a new name. Just like you gave Jacob a new name. He's no longer the liar, but he's Israel. Lord, just give us Chicago a new name, oh God. A beacon of hope, a beacon of truth, Lord. Where we were once immoral, now we stand for truth, Lord. Now we stand for truth. You're able to do it. We believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We thank you that you hear us. We cry out for souls, oh God. I pray for every single evangelism team, God. All the efforts that we do before life groups, before our services, we declare souls to be saved in our city. Come on, let's sing your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, Jesus. Come on, we sing this over Chicago today.
Come on, let's pick it up a little bit one more time. With all hands raised all across this room. Your kingdom come to Chicago. Revival on our college campuses. Come on, revival on the streets. Prophetic evangelism. People called into ministry. Leaving their own. Forsaking all to follow Jesus. Jesus, your kingdom in Chicago. Your peace in Chicago. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Jesus, that you hear our prayers for our nation and for our city. We declare it done, yes and amen in your name. We thank you that we could gather together. And as your church, as your bride, seek your face. We love to be in your presence. We love, oh God, to seek your face. Have your way in us and through us. Lead and guide us through the rest of this service as the gospel message comes forth. Let our ears be attentive to your words. Let our ears be attentive to what you are saying and may our hearts respond in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Look to your neighbor. Give them a high five as you find your seats. King's Kids, thank you for joining us. Praise God. We thank you for joining us at Metro Praise International. We welcome you this morning on behalf of all of the leaders. We're so grateful that you're here. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you today, this morning. We preach the gospel every week, the simple message of salvation, so that you can learn, so that you could hear and feel God uh, pulling you closer to him, hear him knocking on the door of your heart so that you could respond to him. Respond and say, Jesus, I need you. I need this salvation. I'm going to be preaching to you from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. How many people in here have an inexpressible and glorious joy because you know you have been saved by Jesus? Come on. You don't see him, but you love him anyways. You haven't seen him yet, but you know he's with you. For those of you in this room that, has, that have not experienced that kind of a joy, a glorious and inexpressible joy, you cannot say that because you haven't seen him that you know him today. You cannot say with confidence that because you haven't seen him, you still believe in him today. I want to charge you today. I plead with you today. Get right with God. Come and meet this Jesus, the Jesus that died on the cross for your sins, rose again on the third day, and is living right now inside of those who proclaim him in his resurrection power and fills you with joy and fills you with his purpose and with his peace. I charge you today, get right with God. Come and know 
the redeemer of your soul, the one who, who guarantees our salvation. You are not your soul today. Your body, come on, touch your body, touch your bones, touch your skin. This shell of a body that you are sitting in today will not last forever. Your soul will live forever, either in heaven with Jesus for all of eternity or in hell with the devil and his demons for all of eternity. Today is your decision. You're at a crossroads today. Whom will you serve, Jesus or the devil? Because your soul will live on and you can guarantee where your soul will be today. If you choose Jesus, you can be with him in heaven forever. So with all eyes closed all across this place, all eyes closed all across this place, I'm going to pray. And many of you have to make a decision today that even though you don't see him, that you're going to love him. That even though you have not seen him, you're going to want to get to know him and believe in him and experience this inexpressible and glorious joy because you know that he has your salvation in store, that your soul is in his hands. God, I pray for your conviction in this room today that people would repent of their sin, turn from their wicked way, and allow you to save them, to change them, make them born again, make their spirit alive again on the inside. Breathe life into them today, Jesus, as they confess their sin to you and say, God, I want you in my life. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to do it your way. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You guys can stand up to your feet. We have altar workers up here. They're making their way up to the front. They're going to be ready to pray with you in just a few moments. When we release for the fellowship time, we're going to have prayer workers that will be here to pray with you, encourage you to go after God, and show you how to get plugged into the church and be a disciple. We want to disciple you. We want to get into your life and show you how to be a disciple of Christ. You guys ready to confess our confession of faith? Come on. This is our Christian worldview. These are the truths that we stand upon as the body of Christ worldwide. So if you're with me, let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. And the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. And the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Why don't you guys spend some time hanging out? Give your neighbor a high five or a handshake.
All right, who's excited they came to church today? Woo! Welcome to Metro Praise International. It's so wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces. Thank you for joining us for our 10 o'clock service. Especially if this is your first time here, keep coming back. If you haven't been here for a while, get plugged in. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. That's, this is our family service. We have King's Kids in the back for our children, infant to 11 years old. We have amazing children's workers back there taking care of the babies, teaching them about Jesus. And then we have Elevate every week on Fridays at 7 p.m. God is doing an awesome thing in the lives of our teenagers. That service is for students 11 to 18 years old. So if you know anybody in that age group, please invite them to be here Come on by. It will change your life. Blow up your high school for Jesus. We want to let you guys know about the MPI app one more time. We'll probably be announcing it for the rest of the month. If you have not downloaded it, please go to your store on your smartphone. Download the Metro Praise International app. It'll come right up. So many different things that will be at the touch of your fingertips. The Disciples Giving book, the devotionals, sermon player. If you want to listen to the message again throughout the week, so many goodies in that app. We're so encouraged, so blessed by it. And uh, share it with your friends and family, people that you evangelize to, tell people about Jesus. Make sure that they know that that's their free resources that they can grow in their relationship with Christ. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us to live our life by. And then our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism, to preach the gospel to all the lost around you. And our goal by doing all of that is to have 50 churches in Chicago with 500 around the world, 100,000 disciples here. And I went backwards because they changed the slide on me. So 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Does that get you excited still? Come on. So look to your neighbor and say, get connected. This is our snapshot of the life groups that are kicking it off for this whole week. If you want to know the schedule for the full quarter, January, February, and March, turn your hand out around. Look at all the different types of life groups that we have, times and locations. Find a life group to connect to. So kicking it off today is our marriage life group. Come on, married folks. Who's excited? Child care is always provided when they come together 5 o'clock here at the church today. Tuesday, the resistance life group, 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, King's Kids. Infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. If you have children, you want them here on Wednesday nights. We have Royal Rangers for boys, Impact Girls Clubs. It will change their life. God is doing amazing things. Ish and Robin, just wave your hands. They're in charge of the Royal Rangers Boys Club. Guys, you want your sons in this program. And you want your young ladies being discipled to learn how to live for Jesus. Okay, so Wednesdays is for them. Thursday, our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. meet here at the church. Friday, we have two adult Bible studies for you guys. Get encouraged throughout the week. Go either to the Govea's Bible study or the Vivid's Bible study. Both couples are actually here. Griselda, wave your hand. Pastor Berto is a tall, dark Aztec warrior. Jerry was leading worship here in the guitar. Go to their house. Tony and Jerry, they're right there. Wave your hands. They want you there. Invade their territory. Get encouraged through Bible study and fellowship with other believers. You're not alone. And then Saturday, the Ambassadors Youth are meeting 
Come on, 1 p.m. here at the church, they're going to rock it out for Jesus. Then we want to mentor you. We believe in discipleship here. Evangelism and discipleship are the heartbeat of our church. And we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. The 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. And this is done one-on-one -on -one between you and a leader of your choosing here in the church. They will be there to pray for you, encourage you, teach you all the things of scripture, to live by faith and give your life to Jesus. And then when you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. This is where you get trained to be a leader one day, to be ordained as a deacon or an elder in the church, to glorify God with your life and fill, fulfill his purpose for your life. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism evangelism every Saturday from 5 to 8 they're hitting the streets preaching the gospel if you've never done it I want to encourage you to do it it will encourage you in your faith draw you closer to Jesus and give you an amazing heart for the lost you say man I don't really feel like it you gotta do it that's where you get your practice that's where you get your heart for the lost that's where God will teach you and speak to you how to preach the gospel so in recap MPI has a vision a strategy and a goal a vision of loving God and loving people a strategy to connect you to mentor you and to send you out and then we have a goal of a hundred thousand disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world can I get a hallelujah Woo! praise the Lord God is good he says, write the vision down and make it plain and run with it. So we have written it down. We have made it plain. Look at your neighbor. Say, they've made it plain. And we are running. How many of you guys excited to give your tithes and offerings this morning? Come on. We believe that the scripture teaches that a tithe is 10% of our total income. We give that regularly to the church. Anything above the tithe is considered an offering. That amount is between you, between you and the Lord, whatever he puts on your heart to give. So we're going to get into the giving lesson today in our Disciples Giving book. You can find it through the app. Section one is all about learning about the tithe. Lesson three today, the tithe was established in the law of Moses. The tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. I'm going to be reading from Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 and 34, through 34. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of the value to it. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. No one may pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If anyone does, not, uh, does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses at Mount Sinai for the Israelites. So let's look at the two main points from that passage of scripture. Number one, the tithe represents our best. The people of Israel received strict instructions regarding tithing. They were to give God their best both in agriculture and livestock. So God doesn't want our leftovers. He doesn't want us switching things around and giving him what's at the bottom. The tithe comes first. That's the thing that comes out first from your income. Give God your best. Number two, the tithe was commanded in the law of Moses. The instructions that Moses was given were God's commands, not just his suggestions. So we're learning that not only is tithing a spiritual principle, but it's a command that is revealed to us through the Old Testament and namely right now through uh, what God told Moses. So here's a summary. Just as God commanded the Israelites to give a tenth of their best livestock and vegetation in the Old Covenant, we in the New Covenant should give God 10% of our best income. Look to your neighbor and say, that's what's up. Come on. 
Let's apply this in two ways. Number one, understand that tithing is not just a suggestion, but it is a command from God. And two, don't pick and choose when and how to give to God. Always give God your best 10%. Not whenever we feel like it, not when the check is really big, but when the paycheck is really small, we don't give it. It's all the time. Say all the time. All right, let's confess this over our life together in the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If that gets you excited, please stand up to your feet with me this morning. And let's prepare to give God our very best today, our tithes and offerings. Again, a tithe is 10% of our income. Anything that you give after the tithe is considered an offering. That amount is between you and the Lord. We designate that here towards missions and a building fund. If you could please put your uh, specific amounts on the envelope of what you want each amount to go to and your name clearly, first and last name. Here is uh, seven ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the front during the offering. Number two, in the back with a credit or debit card. Uh, Pastor Griselda will be available for that. Number three, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number four, on the MPI app. Chase Quick Pay at give at mpichurch.org. You could text MPI Give to 206 859 9405. And lastly, online at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Very many ways to give, easy and convenient. Here's our building fund that we're entering in for the new year. We're so excited. And we're just pumped about what God did last year and what he's going to do this year because of the generosity of Metro Praise. When we gather together and are obedient to Jesus and what each uh, of you have heard, God is going to accomplish this. So we're believing for a new shed. We're believing for new equipment, a projector, new screen, new floor in the foyer. So this is what we ask. That number one, you would pray and ask God what you should give. Number two, that you would listen to what the Holy Spirit says. And three, give and give generously. Be obedient to the Lord. Lay that out before him and say, God, what do I give this year for the building fund and offering? Let's recite this together. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your presence in this place today. We thank you for your faithfulness, for your provision. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver today. I ask, oh God, that you would multiply it for your glory and kingdom to be advanced on this earth. I ask, oh God, that you would give promotions and raises, increase doors of employment to open for your people, that your mercy and goodness and favor would follow them all the days of their life. And God, that you would equip our hands, God, in this church to accomplish the vision that you've given to us in Chicago to reach America and the, and the ends of the earth with your gospel. Lead us by your power. I pray that you would equip us with everything that we would, we would need uh, in finances and to you be the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. We thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your generosity. Please come forward as you give.
How many believe the church is the pillar and foundation of truth? Make some noise. Come on, y'all, lame up in the house. How many of y'all believe the church is making it happen? Make some noise. Amen. Y'all shouted louder for the Cubs. You guys shouted louder for other teams. I'm asking you, do you believe that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a pillar in this culture and society? Make some noise. Come on. Hallelujah. Woo! That's what we came to do, to build the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're new, we're so glad that you're with us. In January, we started a new sermon series called The Pillar of Truth, talking about what the role of the church is in this culture, society, and world, what God determined it to be. And this is on purpose that we're doing it right now at the beginning of the year so that you can base your whole year, your whole life, on what God said He would do through the church. Because if He will do it for the church and you're a part of the church, church he'll do it in your house in your family at your job and in your community you need the church you need what we do right here to be blessed you may say pastor I've been around some whack churches some crazy churches I'm not talking about that I'm talking about the big capital C church of the Lord Jesus Christ where disciples who are obedient to the word of God get together learn the word and express it in their daily life if you believe you are a part of that kind of world changing church history makers and roof breakers and chain breakers if that is who you are today make some noise one last time come on Jesus. I'm not doing it because I want you to be hyped for me I want you to do it for Jesus Imagine if I came here today and I said, let's give it up for my wife. You know, she's been serving the church. Let's give it up for her. Or imagine if the president-elect came, let's give it up for him. Or let's give it up for a mayor. When we give it up for the church, we're giving it up for the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. We're saying, well done, Señor. Gloria a Dios. The Lord Jesus Christ is with his people. If you want to find God, do you go to a guru and meditate? If you want to find God, do you become a vegan and wear a yoga pants? If you want to find God, do you go to a cathedral and start kissing the feet of Mother of Guadalupe? If you want to find God, what do you do? You find the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You find where his people are, not the building, the church. You find the people of God. Open up your Bibles as I'm preaching before I preach right now to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 says that we all need to have the church. If it wasn't for the church, we wouldn't have the word of God. And the Bible says that the word of God is our foundation. How can you build a house without a foundation? And the Bible says build your foundation on the word of God. Now look at what it says here in Romans chapter 10. Go there to Romans chapter 10, one of the most famous parts of the Bible talking about how you can be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 talks about believing in your heart and confessing Jesus as Lord. Look at Romans chapter uh, 10 verse 9. Look at what it says. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many think that's an important thing? How many think it's important to be saved? Can I get an amen? Now watch this right here. The Bible gets very clear. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? Romans 10, 14. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Can you believe in something you haven't heard about? Can you believe in Jesus if you haven't heard about Jesus? Come on, somebody. I will throw this mic and launch it at some of you right now. I will launch this like, boom, wake you up. Are you listening? Can you believe in something you ain't never heard about? 
So how are you going to believe in the one you have not heard? And how can they hear without someone? Without someone? Preaching to them. Is that just what I'm doing right here? Am I the only member of this church? Am I the only preacher of this church? You are a preacher. You are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The temple of God is up in you. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? How do you make, a, how, can a cake make itself? Cake can't make itself. Do disciples make themselves? No, they don't. Jesus said, go make disciples. He said to his 11 disciples, you go make, make disciples, make them, form them through the word of God. He says, go to all those who have never heard the name of Jesus. Preach to them so they can believe. And then how can they, as these preachers be sent out to the globe? They have to be sent out. They have to be connected to the cross, mentored with the cross, and sent to carry the cross like a boss. Come on, somebody. Like a boss do we have the words to that chant anymore let's get let's get ishmael up here on the 808 let's i'm gonna wake you guys up one way or the other julian come on up here please come on up here do we look and see if we have the words there connect to the cross mentor like a boss sent to reach the loss How, what's that next part i need that say it again so disciples is like a boss text it to me right now we're going to blow this up get that mic hot for me Give him so much bass it rattles people down the street that are sleeping in right now. Please. Send me those words right now. There we go. Scare some people. Text me those words. Remember how we did this last year? Yeah. There you go. That's definitely. Anybody, everybody feeling that? Yeah. Do you guys yeah. need more bass to feel that? Give us a little bit more. Give us some more on the subs. Push up the subs a little bit more. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Are you sending it to me? Oh, yeah. oh, come on. Yeah. There we go. Metro praise, we praising his name. Come on. Come on. Well, when I say Jesus, everybody say Christ. Say in Jesus. Christ. Say in Jesus. Christ. Well, when I say holy, everybody say go. Say in holy. Go. Say in holy. Go. Well, when I say heaven, everybody say yeah. Say in heaven. Yeah. Say in heaven. Yeah. Well, when I say hell, everybody say no. Say in hell. No. Say in hell. No. Can you text faster so I can get this? Come on. Come on, drop a line. Drop a line while we uh, wait for him to text Metro us. Praise. Metro Whoa. praise. Metro praise. We praying for everybody and in the world And then put these words up. Saved. Those words. Metro Come praise. Come on. Uh. Metro praise. Drop we it. We praying for the whole entire world to be saved. It's for the brave. It's not for the weak. Woo. So every time I go in, Jesus blessing all the meek. Whoa. Is this taking you too long? Did you send it to me? My Lord. <laughs> It's either awkward for me or you texting like super long. You send this? Put up these words. Put them up here. I want everybody to stand up. Come on, everybody stand up. Welcome to church. Put these words up here. It's connect to the cross. Mentor, mentor count the cost. Connect to the cross. Mentor count the cost. Send to reach the lost. Make disciples like a boss. Connect to the cross. Mentor count the cost. Send to reach the lost. Make disciples like a boss. Connect to the cross. Mentor count the cost. Send to reach the lost. stop that. Send to reach the lost. Connect to the cross. Mentor count the cost. Send to reach the lost. Make the Disciples like a boss. Okay, we're going to get the words up here, right? Okay, put them up there. Put them up there. Look at your neighbor and say, welcome to church. Come on. 
You guys aren't going to tell me you don't get this. I'm going to make sure you get it. I'm going to make sure you get it. Okay, one more time. Just you and I, we're going to get it. Oh, uh, one, where we go. Connect to the cross. Mentor, count the cost. Send to reach the lost. Make disciples like a boss. Y'all got that? Y'all got this right here? Y'all got No, y'all don't got this? Y'all lame if you don't get this. Now, why is it taking you forever? Look at your neighbor and say, get jiggy with it. Show him a dance move right now. Come on, show him a dance move. Let's get Lawrence up here. Where's Lawrence? I want Lawrence. I got a little something extra for Lawrence. Let's give it up for Lawrence. Thank you. You've been cut. You did all right. But I want that clap. Get up on here the keys too, man, please. Put down your coffee. Welcome. Welcome. Connect to the cross. Mentor, mentor count the cost. Sent to reap the laws. Make disciples like a boss. Let's give it up for these guys for making Woo! it happen. Give me a little synthesizer. I want that little clap right there. You know the little thing that I like? You know the way that pastor like it? I want that little sound. I want that little sound. And then we're going to get this thing. Okay, I want that, I want that clap. Boom, boom. Okay, what is that little synthesizer? Give me that synthesizer and then give me that bass line that makes it feel really hot and like warm and fuzzy right in here. Okay? Is this, is this the next awkward thing we're waiting for right now? Why is it you don't have anything to rap, rap about? Every time I talk to you, you are rapping stuff. Why is it when I call you up here? <laughs> don't you have something in your heart right now? Don't you got a line or two? You dressing the part. First of all, does he not dress the part? You dress the part. When I call you up, you should be ready to rap. There should be no doubt about that. Give me a little line here. Just give it real quick because this is, this is taking a long time. Yeah. Give me the beat. Give him the beat. Oh, 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 oh. Throw your hands in the air because Jesus is every way up. Throw your hands in the air. Jesus every way up. Come on. Oh, 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 oh. Well, when I say Jesus, everybody say Christ, say in Jesus, Christ. say in Jesus. Christ. Well, when I say holy, everybody say go, say in holy, go, say in holy, go. Well, when I say heaven, everybody say yeah, say in heaven, yeah, say in heaven, yeah. Well, when I say hell, everybody say no, say hell, no, say hell. Connect to the cross, meant to count the cost, sent to reach the lost, make disciples like a boss. Connect to the cross, meant to count the cost, sent to reach the lost, make disciples like a boss. Connect to the cross, meant to like a boss, sent to reach the lost, Oh, connect to the cross, meant to count the cross, sent to reach the lost, make disciples like a boss. MPI to the day I die. MPI to the day I die. MPI to the day I die. This is the disciples' battle cry. Whoa! MPI to the day I die. Oh! MPI to the day I die. MPI to the day I die. This is the disciples' battle. One more time. Connect to the cross. Meant to count the cross. Set to reach the law. Make disciples like a boss. Set to the cross. Meant to count the cross. Set to reach the law. Make disciples like a boss. Come on. Come on. Come on. Meant to count the cross. Set to reach the law. Make disciples like a boss. Connect to the cross. Meant to count the cross. Set to reach the law. Make disciples like a boss. Like a boss. Yeah. We make disciples like a boss. Yeah, yeah, come on, come on, come on, you ready? MPI till the day I die, MPI till the day I die, what? MPI till the day I die, what? This is the disciples' battle cry, come on, MPI till the day I die, come on, 
This is what I'm talking about. You see, we are here for a purpose. We are here to make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. We have got to get it in our minds that people cannot hear the word of God unless we preach to them the word of God. And someone will never be able to preach unless you are sent out. And look at what the Bible says here. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Look at your neighbor and say, you got some beautiful feet. Amen. You got some beautiful tozy wozies. You guys need to go out there and tell the world about Jesus. How many are ready for the message now? Today what we're going to be talking about is what this church does to fulfill what Jesus commanded us to do. So Jesus commanded us to make disciples. Jesus commanded us to change the world through discipleship. How are we going to do that? Well, let's look at this scripture. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. The notes are online and on your app right now if you want to follow along. Also, the Bible's on the app. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, in God's house, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the church, or the foundation of the truth. He said that God's household is the church. Another place the Bible says that God's body is the church, the body of Christ. Another place, the bride of Christ. You cannot call something more dear to a person than their spouse, than their body, than their house. If you come around me and you say, I hate my house, we're not going to hang around very long. You're putting me down. If we hang out and you put down my body, my nose, my ears, and make fun of my big head, we're not going to hang out very long. And sure enough, if we hang out and you put down my wife, we're not going to hang out very long. How dare we put down Jesus' church and not applaud the church, treat the church with honor and respect. God says it's his house. Now, you may say, I've seen it done wrong, Pastor. I've seen pastors, uh, you know, have sex outside of marriage or take somebody's girlfriend or have a girlfriend or steal money. I agree with you. There are bad churches. But I'm not talking about what people have done in the name of God wrong. I'm talking about what God says we are to be. This is the ideal church. This is the church of promise that Jesus said he would build and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if you don't like, uh, uh, if you like McDonald's hamburgers and you don't like the way this McDonald's serves it up, you don't just vow off not going to McDonald's no more. You switch up your McDonald's. The problem is they got the wrong recipe. Or if you say, I'm too good for McDonald's, I go to Chick-fil-A. Well, it's the same thing. If you go to this Chick-fil-A and they do your chicken wrong, you're not going to stop going to all the chicken Chick-fil-A's because you know they can do it right. Now, you may say, all the Chick-fil-A's are garbage and I'm not going to any of them. All right. Well, then go to Kentucky Fried Chicken or Popeye's. Eventually, you're going to find something that suits the taste. And I'm here today to tell you the Roman Catholic Church is wrong. The Mormon Church is wrong. The Latter-day Saints and the Jehovah Witnesses are wrong. Islam is wrong. Find yourself the real church of Jesus Christ built upon the pillars of truth. 
not upon men's traditions. Now listen to me. When I tell you this, people get mad at me and they say, you're picking on people, pastor. You're picking on other religions. You're picking on other churches. How dare you? And this is the thing. If we're going to do this right, we got to do it God's way. We can't make up stuff along the way and add it to it. I can't say there's another prophet named Muhammad. I can't do that. That's making up stuff he never said. I can't tell you to start confessing your sins to me as I dress up and and wear a robe and go into a closet. I can't tell you that because the Bible didn't say that. I can't tell you to pray to saints because God didn't say it. I can't tell you that there's a book of Mormon because he said this is the last book in the book of Revelation. I can't tell you what the Jehovah Witnesses teach there. I got to only teach you what the Bible says. Now you may say I don't know that's true or not. Well then you go study. I know it's true. I've already discovered it's true. How many of you know 2 plus 2 is 4? Will you ever believe 2 plus 2 is 5? Can anybody ever convince you that it's 5? What if somebody so nice came to you? They're just so nice. And they go, I just believe it's 5. And they smile and they're so nice. And they say, look, I'm so nice. And I just believe it's 5. Is that going to change your mind? What what if if it's your mother? Your mother goes, it's 5. I raised you, and I know more than you. It's five. Are you going to believe her? And this is where it doesn't matter what religion we come from as kids. Well, I was born this. I was born that. We were all born sinners. Be born again a saint of God. Be born right. I was born once wrong. Be born again righteous. The Bible says you get another chance at this life, not determined upon what people have done to you or where you have come from. The Bible teaches us that the church has an important role in our culture and society. And the problem is, is that in America we've forgotten that. And so what we have to do is reestablish what it means for God to establish things upon truth. Now, if I was speaking to another nation, if you were another part of the world, I would be doing something different. You have to understand this when we talk about history. And I may slow down a little bit and sit down and be a little bit more professor-like if I have to be. But listen to me. America is the only nation on the planet in world history that can say what I'm about ready to tell you. Not the church, uh, not England, because they had the Church of England or France with the Church of France. Not any nation in Asia, Latin America. America is the very unique nation. It was established upon the principles of God as taught in this Bible. And I have to explain this to you in such a way that you understand. Because right now you've got knuckleheads in videos on Facebook teaching you the Bible promotes slavery. You've got politicians telling you that they need to redefine America and American values. You have people getting offended over everything. And it seems like it's the right fight to be on. But I'm telling you, the devil's using it to lie to you and get you to lose your foundations. Before I get into that history of America, I need you to understand that the truth of God found in the Bible can be proven true. When we make arguments as theologians, what we do is we make arguments that prove our point. It's not saying, well, I just want to argue with you. It's proving our point. So when the Bible says in Timothy that he is, uh, the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth, I have to be able to prove that to you. I just can't say it. I don't just believe in uh, having make-believe on Sunday and then you live a different kind of life on Monday. So here on Sunday you believe in talking serpents and you believe in a place called heaven, but on Monday you have to actually do real work and real stuff and not play make-believe anymore. No, I don't believe this is make-believe, so I believe it applies to everything you do in life. Does everybody get that? Because a lot of times people come to church and they're just like, those are cool stories about Moses parting the Red Sea and and they walked on dry land and, oh, God's going to part my problems and I'm going to walk through on dry land and I'm going to make it and God's going to be good to me. Slap your neighbor high five and say, I'm going through. I'm going through. And like I said, it may not sound like that from your culture, but it may sound like, I'm going through. The Lord has parted the Red Sea for me. 
and I'm walking on through in victory. Yes, I am. The enemy's coming after me, but he will be drowned in that Red Sea. Doesn't matter what, or fuego, fuego, doesn't matter what culture you come from. Listen to me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I could tell you that kind of story, and you would just get a good, a good lesson out of it, no different than you would cat in the hat. But the Bible is not just good fairy tales with lessons attached to them. They are truth, historical fact. If you would have been standing there at the shores of the Red Sea, you would have seen water stand up on its end, dry ground, people walking, and then a whole bunch of other people dying, literal painful deaths, drowning. So i got to prove this to you. I want to. It's my task as a preacher. So where is the argument from truth? How do we know that the church has been this pillar and foundation? The first part of the argument is that all truth is God's truth. That means upon this syllogism, if you can disprove any one of my three statements, you can disprove this argument. But if each one of these statements remain true, the argument is true. The, the, uh, the, the principle of my statement has been proved. So here's my first one. Try to disprove it if you like or take it and, and test it and believe it or however you come to truth test this and take it serious all truth is God's truth Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the father except through me when you look at the Bible you understand that truth is more than fact truth is an attribute of God himself God is also love God is also righteous and a whole lot of other attributes but one of his attributes is God is truth you have to understand this so God is the reason why truth is here today God is life as well and that's the reason why life is here I'm not just doing a circular argument going, I believe life comes from God because God is life, therefore life comes from God. I'm not arguing in a circle. What I'm doing is building top up. I'm building a ladder upon a logical syllogism. And so what I'm saying is the first foundation is that all truth is from God. Right there, you can argue with that, and I ask you to put another foundation down for truth. Put another foundation down. What will you put there? If you say truth is a state of mind, that it's only a mental state, when chemicals come together, then there is truth. Then truth does not exist. Truth is an illusion. There is no such thing as truth. You cannot have truth. All you have is things that seem to work. You could be a brain and a scientist vat right now and him touching things, making you think things are true, but really they are not. So if truth is only a state of a human brain, truth is an illusion, cannot be proven true. If you say no truth exists, I'm going to say, how do you know that is true? Because the very first thing you've said is a negation, making a statement of fact. You say, I know there is no truth. How do you know there is no truth? That is your first statement of truth. It's a negation. There is no truth. If you say nobody can know the truth, nobody can know the truth, you've made another statement. You say, I know no one knows the truth. That must mean you know the truth is and you know nobody has it. If you say all truths are the same when it comes to religion, you have just contradicted yourself because all truth is not the same when it comes to everything else. Why would religion be different? Do you understand? So now we're dealing with a very simple yet foundational principle of truth. Does truth exist? Yes or no? I believe it does. It is not just a mental state of the mind. It is not just an illusion. Truth does exist. Now you have to answer the question, why does it exist? Why does it exist? The only worldview outside of a theistic worldview that tries to account for it is a naturalistic worldview, and I know their answer. It is a state of the mind. If it is a state of the mind, then truth is not true. It is an illusion. If you believe truth is real, that it is knowable, and that you are actually in reality, you have to ground truth. The only thing that can ground truth is God. If you say the universe can ground truth, the universe is this table, and it holds up truth, I ask you, 
you, where did the universe come from? You say it came from a big bang. I go, well, that's pretty cool. Here's a pillar. Where would that come from? You see, somewhere along the line, it's going to have to have an explanation for the explanation. God is the explanation for the universe. If somebody says, what is the explanation for God? God is not a material thing. He does not have a start or a beginning. He is the first unmoved cause of all causation. First unmoved cause. First uncreated of all created things. He is the greatest of all possible conceivable beings, all powerful, all knowing, and everywhere at the same time. And so from him has come all that we know. If you doubt that, you doubt existence itself, and therefore we cannot have a discussion. If you don't believe that you are existing and that you have come to know truth, there's no point to to debate whether or not truth exists. But if you believe you exist, the universe exists, and there's such thing as truth, give me a better explanation other than God. That's it, number one. Without God, truth wouldn't exist, nor would the universe. From nothing, nothing comes. From something, something comes, let alone man's conscious soul, which can understand truth. That's another discussion on how you can actually understand truth. That's epistemology, ontology. We don't have time to get into that. The second part of the argument is God has assigned the church to be the pillar and foundation of the truth. How many of you are thinking right now, this rapping pastor just got deep on you? Don't you like You never know how it comes. You're like, man, this guy's kind of cool. He's taking it maybe a little laid back, and all of a sudden he just got deep and you're like whoa my mind's being blown but it's going to keep being blown amen it's going to bless you now watch god the one who is truth allows truth to exist has made everything for his own glory and made men in his image to understand the truth he said i assigned the church to be the pillar and the foundation of truth understand here and that scripture we read in first timothy 3 15 understand this god did not just choose the church to be the pillar and foundation of spiritual truth the church is just like the pillar and foundation of spiritual things. I go to the church to learn spiritual things, but I go to this school to learn real, actual things, and I go over here to do real stuff, but I come to the church to be spiritual. That's not what he said. He didn't say spiritual truth, like the nature of God, salvation, God's prophecies. I'm glad all of that is found in the Bible and is obvious to most, but he said all truth, the foundation of truth, the pillar of truth. That means if you separate truth from spiritual to earthly, science, government, economy, all those things that matter to you God is the foundation through the church of all that truth as well so let's make it very clear every hospital every scientist every educational system needs to submit itself to the truth of Jesus in the church period governments need to submit to the truth in the church period your principal needs to submit himself to the truth in the church and I have showed you this before and I love to do it Harvard started by men like me not like Oprah Winfrey not like uh, like basketball beat people who throw balls through you know those, um, metal hoops not started by Harvard was not started by entertainers not by politicians it was started by pastors Northwestern started by pastors and Christian businessmen are universities started by Christian pastors, leaders in the community who understood spiritual truth and applied it to every earthly thing they did. Can I get an amen? If you break, if you, if one were to break down the three great truths, now look at, look at this. If I was to say to you, what are the three most important truths that you could possibly run into tomorrow at your job, tomorrow uh, at your school, anywhere you go, in your family as you go home today, what are the three most important truths that you need? Number one, it would be morality. 
how to live in such a way as to treat others right. Because if you don't have the truth of morality, somebody can kill you or you can kill them. You're not going to go very long in this kind of world, are you? So you need a truth, a solid foundation when it comes to moral behavior. What is right? What is wrong? Who is the foundation of that? The church. Jesus gives his word to the church. He says, build your life upon my word, and when the rains and the storm come, your life will stand. If you don't build your life upon my words through the church, the storms will come, your life will fall. Does everybody believe that? What would be the second thing that you would need? The greatest truth of our culture, society, the world, is you would need freedom. You see, if you have morality but you are chained up in in a jail cell, you would have no ability to exercise who you are. You would have no ability to experiment and to go out into this world and to do great things. So you not only need moral truth, you need freedom. You need the ability to self-determine your life, to make contra-causal actions, things that are not brought back to someone forcing you to do it, making you do it. You would need to have the foundation of truth and morality and the foundation of truth and freedom. And then what would be the last thing you would need? Uh, You would need the foundational truth and science. And science is not just what scientists do, you know, in their laboratories with beakers and little experiments, like, they're doing stuff there. Science is the literal, the Greek word there means how we gain knowledge. So let's imagine you have truth about morality, you're a good person, and you have freedom to live out your life, but you have no idea how to discover things. You're going to die the first time you try to go swimming because you won't understand uh, lungs can't handle uh, uh, water. You're going to die the first time you try to eat a poisonous berry. You will, you will continually die until there's nothing left. You will not understand gravity. You'll walk right off of a cliff. You need these three foundational truths. You need the truth of morality, freedom, and science. Guess where they were given? Guess who they were given to? Y'all read your Bible, huh? Let's see. Some of y'all don't read it. Let's go back up and read it. Where, where, where does it say all truth is found? Where's the foundation of all truth? See, God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the... Okay, so where's the pillar and foundation of morality? church where is the pillar and foundation of freedom moral free agents where is the pillar and foundation of science do they teach you that in school does your business teach you that do uh, people around you teach you this is that the is, is the entertainment world teach you this is this what rappers rap about my friends we have been duped into taking out the pillars out of our culture if i were to remove these three pillars right now with you in here what would happen to all of us we would die, it would collapse. What's happening to our culture right now? What's happening to our young people right now? What's happening to our big businesses and corporations right now? What's happening to our families right now? What's happening to our sexuality right now? Wherever we have moved these in our cultures, it has collapsed. That's the truth. Do you believe the truth? Let's go to the last thing. Here's the point now. The last point is that, therefore, all expression of truth is accountable to the church. All expression of truth is accountable to who? So all expression of morality upon this earth is is accountable to who? All expressions of freedom upon this earth is, is accountable to who? All the work of the scientific community is accountable to who? The church, look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Let's see if God takes seriously the things of the church. His intent was that now through the what? Through Oprah Winfrey, through Steve Harvey, through the President of the United States, through Christian uh, music, 
through the church. His intent was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. And you may say, Pastor, why doesn't it say to all the other rulers of this earth? Because they are nothing but pawns to the rulers of heavenly realms. All the nations are under the subjugation of the devil until they are set free by the disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, make disciples of all the, make disciples of all the nations. We have to go and liberate nations. We're going to talk about America in just a moment. Since the church, with Jesus as the cornerstone, is the grounding of the very existence of truth, making truth, uh, uh, making truth essential and morally useful. That word supposed to be essential. Oh, accessible is also good there. Now I got it. The church, the obedient disciples of Jesus Christ, must take the truth and make it known to our culture and properly use it. If we remove the church, the pillar and foundation of the truth for the, from the world, good will turn into evil, democracy into tyranny, and science into science fiction. I'm going to say that again. If we remove the influence of the church from morality, good will turn to evil. Have we moved the influ removed the influence of the church in our moral decisions from our culture? We say now it's okay, okay to kill a baby. That's good. That's good. That's legal in our country. Legal. We've turned good into evil. It's legal in our country to do these wicked things, pornography and all that. We have turned good into evil. Democracy will turn into what? Tyranny. Democracy will turn into what? Everybody say tyranny. Please say it like you mean it. Democracy will turn into what? Tyranny and science into what? Do you think that people who teach evolution are dumb? No, they've just lost their foundation. They're playing science fiction now. They're playing make-believe because they lost their foundation. They stopped believing in a creator, that they are a creation, and they believe that something can bang Nothing can bang and create everything, we know. But from nothing, nothing comes. They are devoid of logical rationality in their first premise. You take God out of the equation, what banged, who banged it? Does everybody get that? It's foolish. But see, they skip that, then go on to all these other things they can do with their, with their colliders and their subatomic particles and all that they discover with microscopes and telescopes. They remove the foundation and then they play science fiction from that point on. Just because a bicycle and a car both have wheels doesn't mean a bicycle evolved into a, a car over millions of years. They have the same designers, human beings, that understand the purpose of wheels. This because we have certain things in common with animals doesn't mean we come from animals. It means the same designer made us functionable upon a world with gravity and would need to eat and sleep and do various things. Now, here's the problem that I have, and I think I do need to sit down here and get a little bit professor with you and just take my time. Uh, I've been preaching an hour and a half the last two weeks in this sermon series, so I don't know where we'll go today, but let's just relax. The problem that we have right now in America is that most of you don't know the foundation of where we come from. Now, I say we as the royal we because I wasn't here either. Let me just share something with everybody here just so we can understand some things because it's important to do this. Though I look like the people you may see as the founding fathers in the White House, though I look like 
more than some of you. I look like a George Washington, a Samuel Adams, a John Adams, a Benjamin Franklin. Though I may look like them more than some of you look like them, I have no heritage, no lineage from them. My family was all Italian and all Polish until my Polish dad married my Italian mom. They immigrated here, you know, oddly enough, at the same time in history, the Polish side of my family, the Italian side in the early 1900s. Both of them came to America for the same reasons. They hated Europe. They didn't like Europe. They didn't think Europe was cool. They didn't want to wave their Polish and Italian flag when they came. They loved their people. They loved their culture. They hated their government. They hated the way they did their economy. That may not be the way your families immigrated or came to this country, but I'm speaking for mine. My Polish family never celebrated Polish Independence Day. Never. They came, they were honored to learn the English language, never spoke Polish really in the home except for their food, and they immediately became citizens and parted that to their children, to their children's children, to where now my dad, all Polish, remember he was the first one to break the trend by marrying my Italian hot mama, you know, my dad always to this day thinks it's odd when Polish people come here celebrate Polish Independence Day. He's like, wrong country, wrong place. You want to do that? Go back to Poland. Polish dad taught me that. My Italian grandparents, it's same way. Italian, uh, Italian language, honorable, used in the home for food, for special in terms of endearment. I was called, I was called pantalone, pantalone by my aunt because it meant pants, and my pants were always hanging down as a little kid. So I was always called little pantalone. But we, but I was always hearing them speak English. American citizenship was an honor, though I have no heritage to George Washington, to Samuel Adams, to the founding of our nation, to the civil to the, to the uh, Revolutionary War, to the Civil War. There is a boast in our family heritage that both my grandparents went back over to Europe to fight and to take down tyranny. My Italian side hated Roman Catholicism, hated what the Vatican had done. Italy had turned into a fascist government under Mussolini. My Italian grandpa took up arms ready to fight Italians in Italy and take down Mussolini. My Polish relatives had been conquered by Germany and taken over, and they were ready to come back and liberate. So my family fought in World War II. Are you listening to me? I take pride, though, in America. I wasn't here when they founded it. I wasn't here when they wrote the Declaration. I wasn't here when they wrote the Constitution. I wasn't here when they fought the Civil War or Revolutionary War. But I understand something happened here that never happened in Italy, never happened in Poland. Something unique happened here that never happened in any other part of the world. People came here and started a country based on religious freedom. Now, instantly when I say this, because I pastor a multicultural church, I will have two forms of arguments that will come back to me, and I need you to understand this to get this point today. If today we were all in another country, 
any other country besides here, this would not be a byproduct of this message. If we were in Canada, if we were in Mexico, going north or south, if we were in China, if we were in Poland, if we were in England, if we were in France, I would say all of these things that I am teaching you today need to go forward and be implemented. Never happened in England, never happened in France, never happened in the Philippines, never happened in any African country, never happened in the Middle East. So any country we would be in, I would say, we now need to do this. This is now what we need to do. America is the only country in the world that we go back and say, we need to do what they did. We need to do what they did. The moment I say that, the moment I say that, two lies have been pushed onto this culture that try to rebut what we are saying. Not, not me. Remember, Joe was not there. I was born in 77, and my family wasn't even there. Okay, But there are two lies that we, are, we instantly believe. That somehow America, through white power and colonialization, took over and did wrong for Africans, and for Native Americans. And then a story is sold to us today living now that we need to change our foundations, rewrite our stories so that these oppressed people get their just due. And that is not the way to go about it. That's not the way Martin Luther King Jr. went about it. That is not the way Booker T. Washington went about it. That is not the way the Native Americans of that time went about it. They did not want to change the foundations of the nation. They wanted the nation to live up to their causes. Now, I need to explain some things to you not right, right now so everybody can get this so you don't think I'm just pulling a fast one on you because I have no, listen to me, I hate evil everywhere it's found. I have no friend of George, I'm no friend of George Washington, anybody. If they were sinful and wicked, they are in hell right now. I owe no apologies for them because I'm not even related to them. Are you understanding me? But I will tell you something that is true, and it's up to you whether or not you believe it. And then I will preach this message to you, but you got to hear me. When we look at American slavery, the first thing that we think of is that Somehow that was unique. Listen to me as I teach this to you. It was wicked. It was evil. But it happened in every single one of your cultures as well as my culture. You don't understand world history. Let me explain some things that will put it in perspective. My people, if you trace us back just on the Italian side to the Roman Empire, made slaves of the European nations around them. The Babylonians made slaves of the people around them. The Mesopotamians made slaves of the people around them. The Islamic, now go to the Middle Eastern, just go right over from Europe to the Middle East. The Middle Eastern nations made slaves of each other. Ever hear of Egypt? What do you think Egypt was doing with people? Slave. All of the African nations made slaves of each other. All those here who claim their heritage in Central and South America, have you ever heard of the Aztec, Incans, or the Mayans? They were no friend to the people. They conquered your land. They were the Roman Empire of their day. Conquered your land, raped your children, sacrificed as many as a thousand people with blood sacrifice at a time. The Chinese Empire, how do you think China got so big? And Eastern Europe, Russia, how do you think they got so big? They took over other villages, enslaved people. The world, as we knew it, was that way. Now track with me. God used wickedness to lend the support to the church 
to change the world. Now watch this. This is how it starts. You need to know church history. Church starts in Jerusalem. Who's occupying Jerusalem this time? The Roman Empire, the greatest ruling government at that time. Oppressive, pedophilia, child sacrifice, part of the pagan culture, conquering the world. Roman roads leaving everywhere. They would go and conquer the barbarian nations around them. Now listen, Christianity brought Rome to its knees in 300 years. Use the Roman road to start preaching the gospel. Where did the Roman Catholic Church come from? It grew out of our immense power and freedom that we gained in the Roman Empire and started making wrong turns from about 500 A.D. to 1,000 A.D. For 500 years, the Roman Catholic Church started taking power, making their own laws up. And then at this time, the Orthodox Church split from them. And this time we know as the Great Schism. But listen. Listen to me, all of that that time was bringing the Roman Empire down. So what just happened? Largest ruling empire at that time tumbles down, gospel is lifted up, gospel is being preached. Christians are no longer being burned at stakes. Look at where the word Roman candle comes from. Nero would set us up and burn us alive on stakes, right? Now watch. Islam starts around the time Christianity is veering off into a, into a wrong governmental system, oppressive system. Islam starts taking over the Middle East and tries to come towards Europe. If we would not have fought against them, they would have taken over the known world. Today, that is still their goal. They then exploited the Muslims. Study it, study it, study it. They were already having slaves in Africa. The Muslims exploited the African slave trade for not just a thousand years, not just for 1500 years. Still today, the Muslims have slaves in Africa. They are still slaves in Africa. So now watch. The Muslims are doing I can only talk about African American right now, so I'm building up to that point. Now, the Muslims teach the Europeans how to have slaves. The Europeans, wicked men, take slaves and bring them over here. But watch how God uses it. While the slaves are coming over here, how do you think Kuta Kinte got caught? He got caught by the own Africans. Kuta Kinte, everybody look up at me, please, was going to be a slave either in North America or in Africa. He was either going to be sold as a slave here or he was going to be sold as a slave in the Middle East. But what happened when they came over here, there were Christians here. Listen to me when I tell you this. I can show you the founding fathers from day one. Martin Luther King Jr. knew this hated slavery from day one. Why did they not abolish it day one and start fighting the South? Because we had to fight two wars. We had to fight against the English, and we had to fight against France, and we were allowing states to self-govern each other. But if you read your black history, black people were having political office in the North. Many of them, many of them were already graduating college before even the Civil War. And now listen, stop right here. Everybody look up at me. Right here something happens that nobody teaches you this way in American history. 300,000 people of a different color, white mainly, died so that people of another color, African, could be free. Never happened anywhere in the entire known world. Never. Aztecs never died for the Japanese to be free. Aztecs never died for the Cherokee to be free. They conquered, they conquered, they conquered. The people in the Middle East, Muslims, never died so another people could be free. So now the African, who was either going to be a slave in Africa or in the Middle East, has now been used by God to come here. Here's the gospel, and this is what Farrakhan says. Farrakhan says, you you dirty Negro, you were bamboozled. You took the religion of your slave master. Go back to Africa. 
Africa and learn your roots. But the Muslim, Louis Farrakhan, is lying to the black person because they have been enslaving the black person this entire time. Even right now. Ever heard of Dofar? Ever heard of these nations? Yeah, these things are happening. Now, this is what happens. In this time, Christians like me are preaching against slavery. Abortion's legal now since the day I've been born. It's been legal. I have preached against it every single chance I get. And that's what they were doing in America. They were preaching against it, preaching against it, teaching against it. And these saved slaves, these saved slaves, slaves would get saved and hear the gospel, and make their Negro songs a spiritual songs. And they started hearing the teachings of liberation and abolitionism from the church. And they developed the Underground Railroad freeing, and then they went to war to secure their freedom, right? And then we have Jim Crow, and, and then Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. But now watch, watch. What did God do in the church? God brought Africans out of slavery and gave them freedom. And one was just the president of the most powerful nation in the world. So here is the deal. Do I want to stay in the Roman Empire? No, I don't. Do you want to stay in the Aztec Empire? No, you don't. Do you want to stay in the Chinese Empire, the Mongolian Empire? No, you don't. Do you want to stay in the Islamic Ottoman Empire? No, you don't. Where are you now? You're an American. You're here because people purchased their freedom through the blood that they spilt. Have we made mistakes? Absolutely. And the next thing we hear about is the Native Americans. We fought wars with them. Some treaties were broken. All that was done was sinful. But listen to me very carefully. There's the second thing I want you to understand. There is no country on this planet, including Mexico and all the Indian empires that came from the Aztecs, Mayans, and, and uh, uh, Incans. There's no empire where any tribe that warred i'm not talking about indigenous people in brazil getting to keep their land they're just nice there is no place anywhere in this world in an african nation in an indian nation in india in, in an asian nation where you warred against the country french indian war indians warring against us warring against the people us warring against them and you have land that still belongs to them now, you may say, I don't like America for warring against them, but how do you think the Cherokees got their land? How do you think Mexico, look it up right now on Google, how Mexico got its borders. See how Guatemala got its borders. They warred and they fought. Now, here's the deal. You have a choice to whether or not you believe me. But here's what I want you to hear is I read to you a historian from France that came to America before the Civil War and wanted to know why is America, everybody look up at me, please. Why is America different than Europe? And why is America different than every other place of the world? 1838, democracy in America. This is what he writes here. Upon my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. And the longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences resulting from this new state of things. France, I had almost always seen in the spirit of religion and the spirit of freedom marching in opposite directions. Look what he says in Europe, Church of France, all that stuff is there. He says, what I saw in France was spirit of religion. If you were really loving Jesus, you were going against the spirit of freedom. And if you were really loving freedom, you were going against the church. Does everybody get that? But in America, I found that they were intimately united and that they reigned in common over the same country. 
Religion in America must be regarded as the foremost of the political institutions of that country. Does everybody get that? He said it must be regarded as the foremost, inst- uh, the, the foremost foundation of those institutions. I think so easily we forget how our country established itself. And all of you are like me, probably not Native Americans, so you can relate to coming here at some point or another. And so what we need to ask ourselves is do we want to honor those that came before us? Do we want to honor them and take serious what they laid down for us? Because God says, the nation that forgets me will be turned to hell. That's what he says, the nation that will forget me is turned to hell. Am I spelling the word politics right? There we go. Before we developed our constitution in America, can I show you what happened? Can I show you this, yes or no? Some of you are bored right now, and I have so much to preach, so I'm going to be going a little bit late today. No apologies. Uh, If you don't like this kind of preaching, I don't know what to do for you. But here we go. Benjamin Franklin said before we make the Constitution, we need to assign a chaplain to come and pray for us. I can't show you this. Do you understand this? I cannot show you a picture like this in any other nation. Now, you may say, Pastor, some of these men own slaves. Some of these people were mistreating them in the Native American. I just showed you in history people who look just like you own slaves and Native Americans own slaves. The difference between these men and those men is that there was many righteous here trying to do it different, trying to stop what still goes on in Africa today. Have you ever heard of the Rwandan genocide? This was not Muslim, and it wasn't white slavery. This was tribal, tribal genocide. 800,000 people died within a year. Tribal genocide. Did you hear about the revolts in Mexico against the teachers? Have you seen what the drug lords, I double dog dare, every person here that thinks a Latin American country affords more privileges than America, look up this video. Drug lords butcher women. Watch what they are doing in those nations. And the governments cannot stop them because of the corruption. And you know it, and I know it, and I've been to the villages. I have been to these wonderful lands, wonderful people, but the government is corrupt. Right now, right now in Venezuela, they are eating stray dogs. Look it up if you don't believe me. They don't tell you this when they put these Che Guevara's. There was a time when Che Guevara pictures were all over our youth right here, and you had no idea what it was like living in Colombia, Cuba. I had friends, parents that came from Cuba that risked their lives, and they would do anything to be in this free country. And that's not just for us. It is for the Europeans as well. I had a friend from Germany come by and visit me, and he said, oh, my gosh, you guys have so many freedoms. We have nothing. And I said, that's right. We took away your freedoms because you had a fascist dictator that tried to take over the world. And if America wasn't there at that time and people fighting World War II, Germany would have taken all over that world. And this is what that part of the world would look like. Middle Eastern, Ottoman Empire fighting against the Russian Empire, the German Empire, and the Chinese Empire. Nothing would have changed. Meanwhile, in Africa and Latin America, Aztec, Incans, pagans ruling the land. You say it could have been otherwise. It wasn't otherwise. 
World empires have dominated this place wickedly forever, uh, for, for as long as we can remember. And let me tell you right now why we have this window of opportunity, why these men fell on their knees, and why God heard their prayers, and why God brought forth freedom, and why God freed slaves here, and why God just, for the sake of the gospel, America has sent out more missionaries than any place in the entire world. We have established more Bible colleges than any place in the entire world. Why? Because of the church. Some of you don't like the Church of America, but you don't understand this was our foundation. Religion in America must be regarded as the foremost of the political institutions of that country. For if it does not impart a taste for freedom, it facilitates the use of it. Indeed, it is in the same point of view that the inhabitants of the United States look upon themselves and their religious belief. Now look at what he says here. This is a French historian in 1838. He says, I don't know whether all Americans have a sincere faith in their religion. I don't know. They could be hypocrites, some of them, for who can search the human heart. But I am certain that they hold to an indispensable to the maintenance of the Republican institutions. This opinion is not peculiar to a class of citizens or a party, but it belongs to the nation, the whole nation, and to every rank. I've got to log into my Facebook right here, so give me a second. You'll see my email, but you won't know my password, okay, just in case you're going to be naughty. Oh, who's, oh I'm in Andrew's Facebook. Andrew, I'm going to look it up right here because I want you all to see book. It said no matter what class they were and who they were, I'm going to show you some of my African-American heroes. Can I tell you who my African-American heroes are? Booker T. Washington, Frederick, Frederick Douglass, uh, William Seymour, Martin Luther King Jr., and Carver, and so many others. You know who is not my hero? Little Wayne is not my hero. Socialists like President Obama are not my hero. Others who believe like him are not my hero. Heroes of my heart are those who love God, love his word, love his church, and love the freedom and the principles of this nation. They are all not the same. You want to know, Pastor, who are you listening to? What African-Americans are you listening to? I'll tell you right now. I listen to Alan West, Dr. Ben Carson. I listen to men of God that go to church, read their Bible, and pray. Don't believe in abortion. Don't support homosexuality. And know that God and Jesus is the answer. And I am tired. Listen to me. I am tired of hearing that people think Dr. Ben Carson is an Uncle Tom. And you will hear that from the black community. Shame on you. And for Rodriguez, the leader of the Hispanic Coalition, doing Donald Trump's inauguration. Shame on you for calling these people Sela. Rodriguez, who is doing the prayer at the inauguration, is the Assembly of God minister. Those women and men that support today's president are men and women of God. You be careful who you call out. Can I get an amen? I'll show you some of my heroes so you don't think I'm making it up. After last Sunday, I had to put this up right here to bless some of people. Here, here I'll show you three quotes from Booker T. Washington, Frederick Douglass, because let me just say this right here. When I go back and study black history and I study all the history of America, I'm going to be honest with it. And the problem that I have is that we're getting half the story and the story that we're getting is wrong. And I love African-American leaders that will stand true to what their heritage is in this country. The godly men and women of God who stood up for truth and didn't allow the lies to come and influence them. Here it is, Booker T. Washington. Look what Booker T. Washington said because you remember we just read here that this historian says that the opinion of God and culture in society in the society was by all classes of citizens, all the parties of the people. Those who were really here at this time, they believed this. White, black, they believed it. Whether or not they were fighting for their freedom or free people, they believed this. Look at what Booker T. Washington had to say. Look at what he said. Booker T. Washington wrote this concerning the church. 
if no other consideration had convinced me of the value of the Christian life, the Christ-like work which the church of all denominations in America has done during the last 35 years for the elevation of the black man would have made me a Christian. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? So when I have an African-American Christian, so, uh, an African-American president like Barack Obama put down the church, I got a problem with him. Booker T. Washington has a problem with him. You don't put down the church in this country. This church, the church of this country established this country. It's a fact. Now let me go to another one just so you guys can understand. Frederick Douglass. How many have ever heard of Frederick Douglass? Frederick Douglass, one of our great African-American leaders as well. Look at what he wrote. And I, and I have the, uh, the wrong quote here because I mentioned it uh, in the time before. Frederick Douglass, an abolitionist and a what? An abolitionist and a what? A preacher. After these one churches wouldn't let him in, he starts his own church, another black denomination. So do I believe that all churches were right? Those who supported slavery were a cult. If I said to you right now, here's my wife, and I'm now going to marry a second wife and start promoting polygamy in this church, are you staying very long? It's a cult now, hasn't it? We have changed doctrines. If I say to you, if I say to you, I own this man, is this still a church? It's a cult. My friends, the church fathers, many of them were African. Moses married an Ethiopian. Color was never an issue in the Bible. You don't even find color ever mentioned in the Bible. The, 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 the color of their skin never mattered in the Bible. The uniqueness of colored slavery was developed by the Muslims. The Muslims called the African raisin heads with burnt skin. The Europeans got into it a thousand years later, and every single one of them are damned on their, uh, in hell right now on their way to the lake of fire. Can I hear an amen? I'll just show you right now. Because somebody said, the Bible condones slavery. They are ignorant of the Bible. The Bible condones work servitude. It was a part of their culture. Never, never slave trading um, and uh, murderers. Look right here. I'll show you the script. It's put with those who murder their family. Thank you, sir. I'm just preaching my little heart out right now. If I haven't offended to offended you, I'm getting to you yet. I'm getting to you. Which one is First Timothy? What? Okay. Look at this right here. Here we go. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. Remember, we said the church is the foundation of moral law. Remember, we said that we're the ones that tell the world what the what the moral is. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers, the rebels, the ungodly, the sinful, the unholy, the irreligious, for those who kill their fathers, mothers, for murderers, for sexually immoral, for everyone who uh, practices homosexuality. Where is slave trading? Okay, thank you. Okay, see how I get so nervous and excited at the same time? For slave traders. For what? Slave traders. You trade slaves. You are going to hell. Okay? So fake Christians did that. Fake Christians did that. Where were the real Christians? Rith Frederick Douglass with Booker T. Washington. Where were they in the Civil War? 300,000 of them dying to secure the nation of the freedom of another people that didn't even have it in their own nation. Africa still is not free. And the only free nations in Africa right now are those being established on Christianity. 
Nigeria is changing its government from the inside out with Christian principles, and they are warring against Islam right now. The Congo, uh, Kenya, these places are literally being overrun by Christians, and they are trying to get rid of tribal paganism and Islam at the same exact time. Are you listening to me? Frederick Douglass. Look right here. Douglass also joined several, several organizations in New Bedford and regularly attended abolitionist meetings. He subscribed to William Lloyd Garrison's weekly journal, The Liberator. Inspired by Garrison. Who was Douglass inspired by? Who was Douglass inspired by? What's his name? What's his first name? William Lloyd, let me get here, I'm so excited. William Lloyd Garrison, Garrison. What color is he? Why was a black man inspired by this man? Because this black man and this black man, this black man are inspired by this white man. And this Latino and this Latino are inspired by this white. What is admirable about me, non-white people, what's admirable about me is I love Jesus. I love the Lord. I preach the gospel to you. If you want to shuck in and jive in church, you can go there. If you want a church like your culture, you can go there. Why do you come here? Because here God has blessed you, and it doesn't matter the skin color. It's the truth that sets you free. And that's why, and I say the same thing, it goes both ways. Why do I look up to Booker T. Washington? Why did I have many African-American professors in Bible college that taught me how to preach the way I preach? Because it didn't matter the color of their skin. It mattered the truth within. And the same ones, and I'm so tired, of, and the women, listen to me, I'm so tired of the women, and it, it's the same thing. The church put down the women. The church put down the slaves. The same ones, these same Christian leaders fought for women's suffrage. Our Bible colleges graduated women, graduated them and sent them out as missionaries. The revolution started in the church. You look at these men's lives. These men were not Christian by default. They were Christian by choice. Listen to it now. Who inspired Garrison at the age of 25? Garrison joined the anti-slavery movement, later crediting it to the 1826 book of Presbyterian Reverend John Rankin. We were here fighting for freedom. They weren't listening. We finally had a president say, I'm an abolitionist. We said, South, stop it. Stop it. It's done. It's over. And they wouldn't listen. And so what did we have to do to them? We had to fight and kill them. That's what we had to do. Are you listening? Go back to the French historian with me, please. This is just the introduction. Look at your neighbor. Say, it's just the introduction. It's more like a college class. I know it takes a long time, but watch. In the United States, the sovereign authority is religious. I'm going to say that again. In the United States, the sovereign authority is religious. There is no country in the world. Look at what he says, French man in the 1800s. There is no country in the world where the Christian religion retains a greater influence over the souls of men than in America. That was the truth. That is your heritage, young man. You claim the heritage of these African Americans who understood the Bible. 
Thomas Gross, one of the pastors we had in our God in politics, he suffered in civil rights. Pistols were drawn on him by white cops in the South. He lives in New Orleans, and he says, I am not with the Black Lives Matter movement, not because black lives don't matter. I pastor an African-American church. I'm African-American. All my kids are African-American. It's because they have lost the pillar of the church in their movement. They are promoting homosexuality. They're promoting violence against police officers. They're promoting rappers as their speakers. That's not how black lives matter. It's not how we influence our young people. We do it through the men's lives of integrity, the Christians who lived at that time. Can I go to show you Martin Luther King Jr. real quick? I just got to show you Martin Luther King Jr., another one of my heroes, him during that time. Uh, he did the same famous speech of the I Have a Dream. Look at what he says he was bringing to the Congress, to the people. What he was bringing was, uh, where's my Facebook, y'all? Where's my Facebook? Okay, here we go. No, let's get out of this. It's being naughty now. I want to show you. Let me know that I have a dream speech. I want if Martin Luther King Jr. and I share something very much in common. Our, our, our birthdays are very similar to each other. Uh, mine's the 19th. His is the 16th. So he's always given me a day off on my birthday week. I really, really thank him for that. But uh, stop being naughty. Okay, here we go. Watch this. Watch what Martin Luther King says, and I know most of us have never heard this part of Martin Luther King's speech. Look at what he said on the Capitol Hill. Look at what he said. In a sense, we have come to our nation's capital to cash a what? To cash a check. When the architects of our republic, notice how he takes ownership, just like I do, but I wasn't there, right? He says, when the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the what? The Constitution and the what? The Declaration of Independence. He understood. He understood what had happened here. He was not dumb. Just like Frederick and, and these men in, in, in Booker T, they were not dumb. They understood there were some slave owners that went to hell. They understood there was wicked men here, but they understood that Constitution, that Declaration of Independence, it was sovereignly guided by God to secure the freedom of a nation that had never existed on this planet before, to give them freedom in America that they had never had in Africa. Freedom for Europeans that we never had over there. Poland still enacted uh, knights. My great uncle was a knight in own land and feudalism. You understand? Nobody liked it in Europe anymore. We understood China wasn't free. We understood Latin America wasn't doing the right thing. That's why we came to a greater nation and a greater country. Yeah, there's been wars, but we stopped and tried to do the thing right. Let me hear, hear it out. They were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black as well as white men, would be guaranteed inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Let's go back to this French writer right here. Is everybody listening? At least you'll be able to say, I learned something that impacts my life today, whether you agree with it or not. In the United States, the influence of religion is not confined to the manners, but it extends to the intelligence of the people. Christianity, therefore, reigns without obstacle by universal consent. You know the first wars we fought on Tripoli? You remember Tripoli? The Marine song of Tripoli. You know what that was against? That was against Muslim terrorists who were stealing our goods and services. Study it out. We have been at war with Islam since the very day we started. The very day we saw our very first war was with Islam, and our last war will be with Islam. That's another discussion. I sought for the key to the greatness and the genius of America in her harbors. I want every single one of you going to college right now who takes an American history lesson, every young people that takes a lesson in your high school class, I want you to ask your professor. I'm a professor, so you be respectful to them. But I want every single one of you to ask your college professor, do they believe this, yes or no? Do they know more 
than a French historian who studied American history at the time right before the Civil War. This is what he said. I sought for the key to the greatness and the genius of America in her harbors. And by the way, all these lands have wonderful fertile lands. Africa has fertile lands. India has fertile lands. Europe has fertile lands. Russia has fertile lands. China has fertile lands. Are you with me? I studied for the genius and the greatness of America in her harbors, in her fertile fields, in the boundless forests, in her rich mines, in vast world commerce, in her public school system, and institutions of learning. I sought for in her democratic congress and in her matchless constitution. No, uh, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. I'll stand by, Lord, stand beside her and guide her. It wasn't until I went into the churches of America and I heard the Booker T. Washington's preaching. Could you imagine sitting in the service of the Frederick Douglasses and the Martin Luther King Juniors? I know it came afterward, but are you listening to me? Uh, William Seymour, one of my favorite African-American preachers, was born around this time. Charles Finney, Jonathan Edwards. Asbury, the Methodist preacher, he went into their churches and he heard men of God preach with flames of fire. Preaching what? What were they preaching? You can actually get their sermons. What were they preaching? Morality. Morality. They were teaching men how to treat their wives and how to treat their children. And they were teaching people how to treat their neighbor and how to do business fairly and how not to steal and rob one another and to do things righteously. What else were they teaching? Freedom. Freedom. They were teaching you are a divine agent of God created in his image with, dispo- uh, with, with movable fingers and a brain, not an ape. And you can score, uh, set out your own course to do what you want. And then what were they teaching? The highest of science and learning. You would go to the church and most likely the pastor had multiple degrees Multiple degrees, and I'll just share this with you in the closing of the introduction. Somebody say, preach it. The preacher would have multiple degrees. That's why when you listen to me, and we have doctors in our church, nurses in our church. We have a lot of educated people, people pursuing their uh, their degrees, Harvard here. And they always come to me. They go, Pastor, man, that's a lot of stuff for me to think about. You know why? Because I am teaching them things that they know are true. I, I, I mean, we live in the age of the Internet. Harvard. Vert, can I do two things at once? How do you is that how you spell Harvard? How do you spell Harvard? I cannot spell worth a thing. H A R V A R D. Spell check, right? Here we go. I talk to them all the time and they say, Pastor, you're right. We have a we have a PhD that comes to our second service, PhD in uh, biology. And she says, when you talk about those things you talk about, uh, when it comes to evolution, you're exactly right. The books don't explain any of these things. She knows I'm telling you. Why? Because I have multiple degrees of learning that I have applied myself to. Look at how Harvard started, just in closing of the introduction. Just And I've showed this to you many times before. Um, and, of course, it's locking up right now because the devil's the liar. Okay. Okay, patience. Everybody say, help him, Jesus. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay, that's locking up. Here we go. Let's see, let's see how for Harvard was formed. 
Harvard was formed in 1636 by the vote of the great and general court of Massachusetts Bay Colony. It was initially called New College or the College of Newtown. In, eight, in 1638, the college became home to British North America's printing press, okay? That, that's a, the history. Now, watch right here. The college was renamed the Harvard College after the clergyman, John Harvard, deceased, who was the alumni and had left the school this much money and 400 books. I could start Harvard right now with the knowledge that I have. Some of y'all just don't understand that. See, when we talk about the pillar and the foundation of the truth, I'm not playing make-believe. I'm saying right now, everybody look up at me, please, because I, I know our time is limited here, but please, please be patient with me. I want everybody to see this picture. Uh, and let me just read this last quote. Uh, America is great because America is good. If America stops being good, it will stop being great. The safeguard of morality is religion, and the morality is the best security of law, okay? Now, I'll just say this maybe as most as I can get to a closing here right now. Who do you want today to speak to the mayor about the policies that we're doing right now? You need someone that believes what we're teaching here, someone that has the basis of morality, foundation of freedom, and a foundation of science and learning, not science fiction. Who do you want teaching in our schools right now, right? So here's the deal. Could I quote unquote do it? Absolutely. Could I do it? Yes. But can I do it? No. So who's supposed to go and do it now? I'll do this. You go do that. I preach to you on Sunday-ish. Ish, you go to Pepper Construction and preach to them. I'll preach to you, uh, Juan. You go preach at Nini's Deli, the deli that your family owns. I'll preach to you, Juan. You go preach at your small business. And so how do we do it? If you look at the way the church did it from day one, listen to me, everybody, from day one, this was the most we ever infringed on freedom because freedom's important. This is the most we ever infringed on freedom. We said, in our schools, in our governments, and when we make big decisions, we want to pray. And we want to swear upon the Bible. When we celebrate holidays, there'll be Christian holidays. But here's the deal. When we pray, you don't have to pray. When we swear upon the Bible, you don't have to believe in the Bible. And when we have our holidays, you don't have to celebrate them. But this is what we will do. That was the most we ever infringed. And our culture is upset about that. We still have a Congress chaplain that opens up chapel, uh, opens up the Congress because of what Benjamin Franklin said to do at the Constitutional Congress. And now we can't even pray in school anymore. That prayer meeting that I showed you was them at the Constitution. Are you guys with me? And so here's the problem. They're wanting you to remove these pillars. And this is where I speak to my people of color and of what the world would call a minority, but I I'm here to respect and honor you as an individual. I believe in one human race. Uh, one race, the human race. But listen, don't let people tell you that there was something wrong or broken with Christianity. That church, churches weren't doing it. No, from day one, they were fighting against it. From day one. Can I get an amen? I just want to show you this because I, I, I got to show you just a couple things. I'm going to try to end at 30 after. But let me just show you this and then I'll, I'll go to my message as fast as I can. If I could literally beat my computer right now, I would do it just to feel better. I'm sorry. 
Sometimes I don't act like I should with this technology. Did anybody ever hear the joke about what happened to the demons after they were cast out of the man, the legion? Where'd they go? They went to computers. They've been there ever since. Like, what is this? Just look at a blank screen right here. I want to show you just some quotes here. Um, you, know what's, you know what's unique about technology is that it, it, it always works when you never need it to work. It's like traffic. Has anybody ever noticed that? Like when, when you don't need to be anywhere, like traffic is just flowing, like just everything is awesome. Y you just think to yourself, that's the way it was yesterday. Now you're in a little bit of a hurry. I'll just go this same way. It's, it was awesome yesterday. It was so easy to drive down that road. And then nobody knows how to drive. Every light is red. There's 500 potholes that weren't there last week. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? And it's like, I feel like the same thing with, with uh, technology. Founding fathers quotes on slavery. There were some at that time that were ready to go to war. They were ready to throw it down right there, but they had to wait to secure freedom because if they didn't give it to their, uh, to, if they didn't fight the British and the French, the French first, they weren't even going to have their own freedom. And let me just put this here. Wall Builders is a great website. I know I've gone over. I know I've made it awkward, but how many are learning something? Okay. I want to show you a couple by John Adams because we get this idea that like like every founding father, every American is owning slaves. Did you know that black people own slaves in America? Do you know that the first law that meant uh, that, that, that said a runaway slave could not have freedom was brought to court by a black slave owner? Because some people know about the black slave owning stat. They go, well, they were just keeping care of their people. No, they weren't. They were beating them and being harsh masters just like everybody else. You know why Africans had African slaves in America? Because African had African slaves in Africa. It was not a problem to them. But I want you to see some of the founding fathers' quotes. Can you guys uh, see this okay right here? And then I want to close out here real quick. Benjamin Franklin right here in 1773 said, A dispensation to abolish slavery prevails in North America, that many of Pennsylvanians have set their slaves at liberty, and that even the Virginia Assembly has positioned the king for permission to make a law for preventing the importation of more into the colony. This request, however, will probably not be granted, as their former laws of that kind have always been repealed. Do you understand that? There were people setting free slaveries in, in, these, city, in these places. They were... They were doing it. We've never been, let's just put it this way, the righteous, righteous, down it Christians have never been the majority anywhere. How many know you're not going to hear a message like this in many churches today? Just keep you a half hour, tell you something nice about the new year? I mean, come on. You think I'm dumb? I could keep you here for a half hour and get 20 more of your friends to come. But i got to preach you this because nobody's telling you this. Let's keep going. The Virginia founders, I could be here all day, John Adams. The inconsistency of the institution of domestic slavery with the principles of the Declaration of Independence was seen and lamented by, lamented by all the Southern patriots of the Revolution. This is a founding father going, we, we're not stupid. We understood when we wrote the Declaration of Independence, it said all people. We understood that. And we hope that the patriots that hated slavery in the South would join with us. 
We thought they would go back and convince the others so we didn't have to fight. Imagine if this would have happened at the day we signed our Declaration of Independence. We're fighting France, we're fighting England, and we're fighting the South at the same time. Would America ever been established? Would we ever have prevented Germany from taking over the world? Would we have ever stopped fascism? Would any of that, would Israel be a nation if America wouldn't have been established because we were fighting France, England, and our own people in the South? But God used it at, in time, right? So it says, by no one with deeper and more unalterable conviction than by the author of the declaration of himself, Jefferson. There's a whole thing going on about Jefferson now that he wasn't the slave owner people thought he was. That's another discussion about his life. I don't care whether he was or he wasn't. No charge of insincerity or hypocrisy can be fairly laid to their charge. Never from their lips was heard one syllable of attempt to justify the institution of slavery. They universally considered it as a reproach fashioned upon them by the unnatural stepmother country, Great Britain. They said, hey, we're good. We're good. The, the southern patriots were like, we understand. Great Britain got involved in this slave trade. We're getting out of this thing as we start in America. And the point was, not all of them could change. The, the south couldn't change. And we had to fight in war against them. Does everybody get that? I could keep you here all day. I'll try. How long can I have you till you walk out? I don't know. I'm kind of pushing it right now, right? Here, here's what we have to ask ourselves now. How are we going to change the nations? How are we going to change the nations? What I would like to do is just end the message by saying what we do in this church. What we do in this church is make disciples of the nations. Jesus said to them, I have all authority in heaven and on earth because it's been given to me. Who has all the authority of America today? Does Donald Trump have it? Who has it? Who has the authority all over Central and South America? Who has the authority over the Middle East? Jesus. Now, what did he say to us? Therefore, what? Go, connect to them, love them, be with them, send out missionaries to them, and what? Make disciples, mentor them of all the what? Of all the nations, every single nation. Come connect to Jesus, be mentored, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to a what? Obey, send them out to do the same thing that I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Vinny, would you come, please? Come on, that's what it's about. Thank you for your patience. So how do we connect to God? We connect to God by coming to him, giving him our burdens, and accepting his rest. This is not a pro-American gospel. I could care less about America in the end times when it comes to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will wipe clean every nation. But I'm just telling you, for the time that we are here in this nation, we need to reclaim it for God lest we lose souls. There is a political agenda to silence the very church that was the pillars of the foundation. And they've already tried to silence us in the schools. They've convinced you to be silent on your jobs. And they're trying to be si silencing those in government. And yes, there has been a lot of hypocrisy in the church that we've silenced ourselves. But it's time we come back to Jesus. Connect to him. Plug in. Plug your business into Jesus this year. Plug your family into Jesus. Plug our nation into Jesus. How do we get connected? Well, we get born again. Then we get connected to Jesus and stay connected. And then we go to a good church faithfully. How can you do this at Metro Praise International? Join a life group and come on Sundays. Pick one of those life groups and say, I want to be connected throughout the week. 
I just read a stat since I'm on African Americans right now. African Americans do this better than the Anglo church. I didn't hear anything about the Latinos. But you know what? We are reaching more and more people because our cultures are crying out for it. And if my white, urban, a suburban culture doesn't want to do urban ministry, I don't care. I'm going to do an urban ministry too. I'm not forsaking our cities. I know a lot of us move out to the suburbs for more space, more land, the good land, the good country. But I'm not giving up on urban USA. Can I get an amen for that? That's why we're called Metro, baby. Metro. Oh, y'all don't know about that. Second thing, I'm just teasing. Second thing, we've got to do that real discipleship. we got to put in work, boots to the ground, make it happen, Captain. How are you going to be a disciple in this church during the 101, 201? you got to be teachable. If you've been coming here for a long time and you think you know everything, we, we, we're not going to be able to teach you every, anything. If you know everything, you can't learn anything. Come to this church, humble yourself. You got to learn. I'm learning. Does it not? Do you guys get the impression that I'm an ignoramus and I don't learn and study? Do you know how much I studied this week? Hours. You're paying me, right? I'm pastor. I get paid to do this. I study hours. I listen to things for hours. That's why when people come to me, sometimes they'll be new. You'll find me on Facebook. They'll think like I just pulled something off Fox News or something. They have no idea. I could care less about those those like Google little things. I could care less about that. I'm about the history, what we call primary sources and scholarship. I, I don't want to know what someone said about Booker T. Washington. I want to know what Booker T. Washington said. I don't want to learn about Mexican history from somebody like on the, uh, you know, the Discovery Channel who went there and got some tacos and dressed up, you know, went to see. No, I want to learn from Mexicans and Mexican history. You understand? I want to learn history. Be teachable. Stay accountable. Find somebody in your life that can ask you how you're doing, how you're living for Jesus, what's going on. Be a servant. We're not here to serve ourselves. We are here to serve Jesus and each other, love each other, amen? And we should be hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God, always understanding that the Lord has more to do in this world and that we're not satisfied with the way things are. How can you do that? Find a 101 mentor and start one-on-one. Our one-on-one discipleship is second to none in this city. I've told you about great churches, but I'm telling you this. We may not have a building compared to some churches. I may not be as good of a preacher as some churches. Our worship band may not be as good, but I think they're doing awesome. But listen to me. I'll tell you one thing that nobody is better than us at that is doing this right here. Making disciples is our business, and business is good. Sometimes, amen, but listen, sometimes we get sassy people. I'll hear it all the time. They're like, my 101-er doesn't do this, and the person I'm meeting with doesn't do this. And you'll see them, like, march on down to a such-and-such street church. You know, go down there to that church. Ain't nobody calling you up. <laughs> Ain't nobody checking on you. Ain't nobody doing a one-on-one Bible study with you. I just had a dude sit across the, uh, from me at a, at a restaurant. He used to come to our church. He said, I went to one of these other churches. I thought they were going to be awesome. The pastor said, you are, you are a man of God. Gave me his number, told me to get in touch with him. He said he never got back to me, and I'm sitting with you here because I just got in touch with you. We got one-on-one leaders here that keep their word. When I couldn't do it anymore, I don't, I don't say I can do it with you anymore. You understand? I keep my word through the relationships I have built. They're building new relationships. We keep our word. Nobody else does it better. Join the discipleship. And lastly, go out and preach the gospel. Where do you think all these guys came from, these churches? Have you ever, do you ever know where the Bible Belt came from? The churches that these guys worked with? Let me show you right here. Campfire campfire preaching. Let me show you a colonial picture of these preachers when the man said, I went to church and they were preaching with the flames of righteousness. When when they were transforming the nations, this is what they would look like. They would preach to the Native Americans outdoors 
not only to the Native Americans, but they would set up their churches by chopping down trees. And then they called them campfire because they had to have the fire burning in the middle of the night. They would meet sometimes for three and four days at a time. This is where you get the idea of revivals. If your church didn't have a, this is not a Catholic priest, that priest, uh, Protestant priest is dressed like this as well. This is George Whitfield. If your town did not have a church, they had circuit riding preachers. These circuit rider preachers would preach four times in a day, sometimes ride their horses 100 miles, preach from 6 in the morning till 10 at night. They would meet the farmers on their fields and cut down trees until they could get a storehouse church, I mean a barnyard, you know, a barnhouse type church. George Whitfield and these men would preach outdoors until their lungs would bleed. You know who, in, you, know, you know one of our founding fathers who was rocked by George Whitfield, the very founding father that said, let us add a constitutional Congress? Do you know who he was rocked by? George Whitfield. I double dog dare anybody here to look up, just look it up online. Sermons by George Whitfield. That was Benjamin Franklin's favorite preacher. Benjamin Franklin was a very smart man, and for whatever reason, he wanted to figure out how far he could walk and still hear George Whitfield's voice. He said he walked a country mile and could still hear George preaching. That's how America was changed and revitalized. That is why African-American slaves converted to Christianity because they knew there was a symbol of truth in there. And when they were told the whole story that their slave masters called you know church wasn't telling them they became on fire preachers unstoppable unstoppable so today my friends what do we want to do in this nation what I think we need to do is we need to make a difference through the preaching of the gospel and making disciples and so this is what I want to ask us to do in calling and closing is to see the Lord what he's called you to do to see the harvest to see those you can reach, to see the needs. You may not be able to do something for everybody, but you can do something for somebody. To see your personal ministry and get sent out and change the world. Where is it seen in the Bible? That three-point strategy, connect, mentor, send. Look at who did it. Elijah with Elijah. Elijah is mentored by Elijah. He connects to him. He's sent out to preach. Jesus does it with Peter. Paul does it with Timothy. And now it's your turn to find a place in this local church to change the world. And this is what I'd like to do in closing because the Lord put it on my heart. Gentlemen, could you please move this? This is what I'd like to do in closing. I would like for us to stay seated. And if you got to go, once we start to do this, you can leave. Thank you, sir. But this is what I want us to do. I want us to stay seated, close our eyes, make a decision whether or not we're going to do this in an attitude of prayer. And then one at a time. And it doesn't matter how long it is. I still got another service to preach. You're worth my time. I'm telling you. One at a time, you stand up and make a declaration to Jesus Christ in this church and say, I will be a disciple that makes disciples. Would you close your eyes with me right now? Before we do this public proclamation, I want us to get serious right now. Lord, we're going to end this service making a public proclamation to be a disciple that makes disciples. We're going to determine in our hearts not to be led astray by this world, but to follow righteousness and integrity. Lord, you said that the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. We have set forth that argument, and we know it to be true, not only by faith, but it is logically established. You are the truth of morality. 
If we don't have you in the church, in a culture, we lose our moral compass. You are the foundation and the truth, oh God, of freedom. If we do not have you in this nation, our government and our corporations will become tyrannous. And we will be ruled by wicked, greedy men and women. And Lord, your church and through your word is the foundation of all science, of all learning. And God, if we do not submit our minds to you, we will be in science fiction saying that an embryo inside of a mother's womb is not a child. That the organs that a person is born with do not determine their gender. And that sexuality is based on pleasure, not on design. And violence will run rampant as we teach our children they're nothing but animals. God, we ask you to restore the pillars, not made out of concrete or cement or brick, but I pray you will restore the pillars who are your people. I pray that in this church, that wherever they go tomorrow, they will stand as a pillar of morality, of science, of learning, of culture, of freedom, prosperity. I will start this off with my wife together. At this point, you have been informally dismissed. That means you can go at any time. But I will formally dismiss us when the last person has stood and made their proclamation. But if you have to go, I understand our children workers love your children. They're not in a hurry. So you stay as long as you want. But I will go first to set the example. And then afterwards, I'm going to ask you to stand in this church as a pillar with your arms raised to heaven, feet on the ground, being an intermediator between heaven and earth and you proclaim in your own words with your own passion where you will stand for righteousness and uphold this culture I stand with my wife right now Jesus in this church Lord and we declare that we will be pillars in our home for your glory we will be pillars in this society we will be pillars in our learning in our church in our city with our neighbors with our money with our children all that we do we are your pillars Jesus now it's your turn one at a time go